Four strategies to help you get through a market downturn. Welcome to Common Sense on the Prairie, a podcast dedicated to helping you demystify the sometimes complex topic of money. I'm Adam Cox, Head of Wealth Management for the First National Bank in Sioux Falls. We're a community bank based out of South Dakota. In this podcast, we share expert insights from around the country and stories from our local community to arm you with the tools you need to make better financial decisions. Because the truth is, the more we talk about this stuff, the better off we're all going to be. Market downturns can be tough on most everyone, but they are especially hard on those who don't have enough of a financial cushion in their lives, or for those who may have taken on excessive amounts of risk, whether that was through speculative investments or an unhealthy amount of debt. In good times, we can all get by with little to no cushion in our financial lives and higher levels of risk. But when something changes, even when it's through no fault of our own, those same decisions can break us financially. On today's episode, we're going to talk a little bit about what's going on in the markets right now, and then transition to talk about four strategies investors should implement right now to help them navigate this market downturn. And to help me do that, I'm joined by my colleague, Kyle Sipperly. Kyle is a chartered financial analyst, portfolio manager, and he leads the investments team for First National Wealth Management. I hope you enjoy this episode. All right, Kyle, welcome to the show. Yeah, thanks for having me. I feel like you've been dodging me for a couple of years on this. So yeah. It's good to finally get you on the show. Yeah. I got asked by a friend, how are you doing this? And I said, I just ran out of excuses not to. So, <laughs> That's right. But no, it's good to be here. Yeah. All right. Well, before we dive in, let's do what I normally like to do and talk okay. about music for a minute. So you like jam bands. So tell me, how exactly are you able to listen to that crap? Well, first of all, how dare you? Uh, <laughs> uh, second of all, I somehow got into Dave Matthews bandos in high school. Okay. Went to... Uh, Kind of like a dozen concerts. Sure. Kind of retired from that though. Yeah. Um, so, but still into kind of jam band type music. Sure. All right. What's the, uh, what's the next concert you're going to go to? You know, I don't know. Uh, the last concert I went to was a band called the Lone Bellow in Minneapolis, a band nobody's heard of. Yeah. Um, so that's kind of the music my wife and I are into right now. Sure. So. Nice. Well, maybe it's an investment thing because Paul Lehman from Dimensional Fund Advisor was, was on and He's awesome in the jam band. So. Really? Yeah. Okay. We'll have to compare notes. Next yeah. Time. yeah. Exactly. All right. So today we're going to talk a little bit about the markets sure. and, and what's been going on, um, but also we're going to talk about some strategies that people can use to to cope with the market downturn. Mm-hmm. But uh, before we dive into that, let's talk about what's been going on in the market. So sure. we're recording this in late June, mm-hmm. 2022, and markets are down a fair bit from mm-hmm. where they were late last year, earlier part of this year, from w- when they were at all-time highs. Right. So tell us a little about what's been going on in the markets. Sure. So let's just back up to kind of what happened in COVID. Okay. Um, so March of 2020, uh, the stock market from February to March 23rd of 2020 went down by about a third. Mm. And I remember. If you remember that, yeah. Uh, and then from March 23rd on to the beginning of this year, the stock market roughly doubled in value. And I think that really took everybody by surprise. And it happened for a number of reasons. Um, uh, A lot of stimulus checks went out. People had a lot of money to spend. Interest rates were really low. The Federal Reserve basically backstopped a lot of risk in in March of 2020, letting everybody know that everything's going to be okay. They're not going to let the the economy crumble. Sure. And so that really caused investors to take on a lot of risk. Mm -hmm. And the stock market went way up. Beginning of this year, kind of what's happened is inflation has started to pick up. Uh, it's not really something, it's something that we've been told is going to happen for a long time. Yeah. You know, after 08 and 09, everybody was really worried about inflation. And this year, you know, beginning of, you know, beginning of last year and into this year, inflation really did start to take off. It's as high as it's ever been in, in about 40 years. Yep. 
And so what's, what's happening as a result of that is interest rates are starting to go up. The yield on the 10-year government bond, for example, has doubled in yield from roughly a 1.5% at the beginning of this year to just over 3% today. Mm-hmm. And that has cascading effects on the market. It causes things like mortgage rates to go up, borrowing costs uh, generally to go up. And it's also caused uh, investors to reassess their stock portfolios. Yeah. And so you've seen stocks, especially in growth stocks, so stocks that have done very well over the last decade, uh, go down quite a bit. Some mm-hmm. stocks like Netflix and um, Shopify companies that are you know, younger but growing rapidly have seen their stock prices decline 50, 60, 70, 80%. The stock market itself, S&P 500 index, is down roughly 20%. Yeah. Um, but what's unusual about this period, though, is bonds are also down. As interest rates go up, bond prices have come down. And so what's unusual about this year is that bonds are not really serving as a good diversifier for that, uh, the stock portfolios to go down. Sure. I think that's probably the, the, the position we're in right now. Yeah. So what does that meant for the average investor's portfolio? Sure. So the, the average investor, I would say, probably has some mix of, of stocks and bonds. I mm-hmm. think probably the average investor maybe has 60% of their portfolio in stocks and 40% in bonds and cash. Um, the stock, their stock portfolio is down maybe 20%, depending on what types of stocks you own mm-hmm. and, and bonds probably down five to 10%. And so I think people are looking at that and they're used to seeing, you know, the stocks were up 14% per year over the last 10 plus years. So we kind of got spoiled by a good, Ow. a good decade run. And so now that they're, they're, they're down a little bit, I think people are, are kind of wondering what's going to happen next. Sure. When downturns occur, we say the same thing every time, don't we? This time is different. But what isn't unique is how often downturns like this take place. Right. And we forget about that a lot. So for those watching on YouTube, we're going to throw up a slide on there to, to, to illustrate this. But talk us through how often do downturns like this take place? Yeah. So the stock market is, has a negative return in about three in every 10 years. Okay. But in any given year, the average drawdown can be about 14%. Mm. So since 1980, the average drawdown has been 14%. So that's a price decline intra-year of 14% in every calendar year going back to 1980 on average. Okay. Not every year is it that bad, but on average, that's what you can expect. Sure. Um, and what's, what's interesting about that, if you look at the long run of stock market returns, Stock market has returned about 10% per year over the last, call it 100 years. Mm-hmm. And why does it return 10%? Well, it returns 10% because that is generally about what companies earn on the owner's capital. Okay. So over a long period of time, stock returns tend to follow companies' earnings. Um, and so, but what's interesting about that is that rarely does the stock market actually earn 10% in a calendar year. <laughs> Only about one in every 10 years does the stock market have about a 10% return. And so you can expect being an investor in stocks, the returns will be all over the place, down 20%, up 20%, up 50%, down 40%. Mm. And, um, and so the reason why it does that is that the stock market is made up of humans. Yeah. You know, there's psychology is what drives a lot of stock market returns in the short term over the long term. It's company earnings driving stock prices. Okay. But in the short term, it's the fear of greed cycle. Yep. You know, over the last couple of years, what was on people's minds is missing out on huge gains. Sure. I mentioned earlier, the stock market roughly doubled since 2020. All of your friends were getting rich. You know, you're smarter than your friends. Mm -hmm. Why aren't you investing like they are? (laughs) Yeah. And so greed kind of kicked in and people bought a lot of stocks, uh, not really worried about the downside. Sure. 
Um, so this year we're experiencing the opposite of that. You're seeing a lot of uh, stocks that were really popular go down significantly. And so what we preach to our clients is to keep that long-term in mind. You know, we are investing in stocks, expecting a 10% return over a long period of time, but knowing that in any given year, the returns will vary greatly. And it's our role as investors to take advantage of those price declines, knowing that prices are more volatile than the underlying asset itself. We try to take advantage of that by buying them when they're down too much or by selling them when they're up too much. Yeah. Well, I think that's interesting too, because I think people just remember the calendar year returns. Right. They don't remember all the drawdowns right. throughout the year. So that's a really interesting point. And let's be honest, none of us can predict where the market's going to go. Um, that much we know. There are lots of people that pretend like they can, but that's not true. But there are things that we can do to protect ourselves during market downturns. So we're going to talk through some of those today and we're going to help people drive through it which is also a Days of Thunder reference for those of you paying attention at home. And bonus points if you email me and tell me what scene that was from. So you ready to walk through them? Yeah, let's do it. All right. So the first strategy is to ignore the noise. What do I mean by noise? I mean the news, social mm -hmm. media, and maybe even the worst, the financial media. What are these folks trying to do right now? They're trying to get our attention. So that means the headlines, really ominous, very scary. And why are they doing that? It's to get our attention, right? Because attention equals money. Mm. So when we see the headlines, we see all the hysteria, best thing we can do, ignore the noise, take it with a grain of salt because their motivations are different than our motivations. They don't get paid when we make good financial decisions. Right. They get paid when we click on their stuff. Right. So, um, so that's the first thing. And speaking of grain of salt, that also goes for people who make market predictions, mm -hmm. but especially the perma bears. So Kyle, why don't you tell people what a perma bear is and why we should be especially aware of their advice? Yeah. So there, a historian said one time, and I don't, I don't remember his name, but I like the quote, he said, for reasons I, I'll never understand, people like to hear the world's going to hell. Yeah. <laughs> and that, that basically sums up financial media. Yeah. Uh, a perma bear is somebody that is, is generally bearish or is negative on the view of the market or the economy. Mm-hmm. And what you've noticed, if you've paid attention to this stuff long enough, is that it's usually the same cast of characters that they're always negative. Yes. So they're permanently negative. Yep. Um, and, and they're always going on TV. And the reason why they keep getting asked back on TV is there's no batting average right. in financial media. Uh, you, you never know. You know, they don't put up a, a guy on TV and they show, well, this guy's been right one time in the last 50 predictions. And, right. You know, they, <laughs> they don't put that up on the screen. And so... Um, I think generally these, these pessimists get asked to be on there because they're always pessimistic. It's a reliable message. Yes. And as you mentioned earlier, pessimism kind of sells mm -hmm. and it sells because it sounds like the person's trying to help you. They're giving you a warning about what might come next. And so that kind of appeals to people mm -hmm. and an optimism kind of sounds like a sales pitch. It kind of sounds fake, mm -hmm. Pollyannish. Uh, and, and so that doesn't sell quite as well. It doesn't generate the clicks. Yeah, that's true. And for the low, low price of nine ninety nine, you can get access to their newsletter every month. That's too, right. right? That's, yes, that's true. <laughs> uh, all right. So the first big takeaway when going through a downturn is to ignore the noise. It's not healthy. Right. It's not productive. And when you fall into hysteria, generally speaking, you're going to make really bad long-term financial decisions. All right. The second strategy, take advantages of opportunities that are provided by a pullback. Mm -hmm. So market downturns, while painful, they do provide investors with some really unique opportunities that don't come around very often. So we're gonna talk through a few of those today. Okay. Uh, the first is to rebalance our portfolios. Sure. Kyle, why is that so important? 
Yeah, so rebalancing means um, every client of ours has an investment objective when we start out with them. It's a mix between stocks, bonds, and cash, and it depends on your client's risk tolerance and time horizon. And so some, some investors, they might not have the stomach for stock market investments. They might have more bonds and cash. And if you're younger and you have a long time horizon, you might have more stocks than bonds. Uh, rebalancing means um, either selling or buying stocks or bonds, depending on where that target is. Sure. And so when the stock market's way up, maybe we're selling stocks. And if the stock market's way down, we're buying stocks. And so rebalancing is just that, that act of getting back to those long-term targets. And it's important to have that because uh, it's really painful to buy when stocks are down. Yeah. And it's also painful to sell them when they're up a lot too, you know, because you always think the current conditions are going to persist forever. Sure. Yep. And so having that discipline, uh, you know, in place to have those targets of how much of your portfolio do you want to have in stocks and bonds and cash is really important uh, for that, you know, to have the discipline to be rebalancing back to those long-term targets when it's most uncomfortable to do so. Sure. All right. The second opportunity is we're able to harvest losses that are in our portfolio. Yeah. What does that mean? Why is it important? I Yeah. It's a tax loss harvesting is the term. I think it's just farmer envy. We have that name harvesting. It sounds like <laughs> yeah. we're, you know, doing something really, <laughs> well, really we're important. in the Midwest here, we're right? in the Midwest. Yeah. yeah. Tax loss harvesting just means selling investments that have a loss, yeah. capturing that loss, and then buying something similar to what you just sold. And the reason why you would do that is because you can use that loss to offset capital gains you might have elsewhere in your portfolio or some of your ordinary income during tax season. So basically when the markets are down, we like to tax loss harvest, lock in some losses that the clients can use to reduce their tax bill next next April. Sure. That makes sense. Well, and the third opportunity is actually for people who are buying into a market when it's right. when it's down. So right. think of people who just have extra savings that they need to deploy. Maybe they've they've saved up, they've sold some real estate, they sold a business, mm-hmm. they're net buyers in a market like this. Or maybe they're just younger employees who are saving a part of their paycheck every two weeks into their retirement account. Why should those people actually get excited when the market pulls back like this? Yeah, yeah, that's... It's a great question. I'm going to give you an answer that nobody's going to uh, take to heart. Okay. I've, I've given this answer a number of times to friends, family, and it always falls on deaf ears. Sure. But <laughs> you said net buyer earlier. Yeah. You know, a net buyer of anything should want lower prices. Mm. You know, if you went to the grocery store, this seems like uh, it could never happen if you think about it today. <laughs> uh, but if prices went down, you'd be happy. You know, you're a net buyer of groceries. You're a net buyer yep. of anything. Better prices you prefer. We spend a lot of time looking for sales, mm-hmm. uh, bargains. And for some reason in the stock market, people kind of don't appreciate prices going down. I understand why. It could be scary to open your statement and it feels like you're losing money. Sure. Uh, but if you're a net buyer of stocks, you know, you're getting a 401k contribution every other week when you get paid. Uh, you're a net buyer of stocks. You're better off if the prices go down. Yep. You know, you're getting more for your money. And so you actually should want, if you're young, you're not in your retirement, you should want prices to go down because you can invest your money at cheaper, cheaper prices. And another way of saying that is lower prices, there's higher future returns. Sure. You know, the higher prices are, the lower the future returns are. So if you have a long time horizon, lower prices are a blessing. Yep. All right. Third strategy, trust your plan. Mm-hmm. The single most effective way to keep your cool in a market downturn is to have a financial plan that you know and that you trust. I, it's been my experience, and I think you'd probably share the same experience, that people who know their goals, who know their plan, their numbers, their risk tolerance, mm-hmm. are much more uh, apt to tune out, tune out the noise and to know that they've got this comfort that they're going to be okay. Right. 
And while it may sound a little self-serving for us to say this, market downturns are also probably the best time to work with a really good advisor. Vanguard did a study where they showed that 3% of return can get added to the average investor's portfolio um, just by working with a good advisor. Mm -hmm. But it's normally, it's not every year, right? It's during, it's, it's lumpy, as we mm -hmm. like to say. It's during periods of market downturns and periods of market euphoria. Mm -hmm. So Kyle, why is that? Yeah, it's a great question. I think it's because uh, when markets are going down, anytime anything really as bad is happening to you mm -hmm. in your life, uh, the, the instinct is to do something about it, you know? And so when you see your portfolio go down in value yep. and those people on TV we talked about earlier are, are giving you really dire predictions, our instincts, everything in our wiring tells us we should act. We need to do something about it. Yep. And counterintuitively, uh, usually the best course of action is to not do anything, mm -hmm. is to ignore your instincts. To Usually it means to sell out of stocks when they're going down, um, to go to cash. That feels like a safe, prudent thing to do. Sure. And our roles as advisors and investment managers is to basically talk people through these, these downturns. Um, I think back to March of 2020, we had a lot of conversations with clients. Yes, it was very scary. Yes, they're, they were losing money, but the right course of action uh, was to stay invested. In fact, to keep buying. Yeah. We found a lot of bargains. And that's the playbook this time too. You know, and so our role is to behave, be that behavioral coach for our clients, to talk them through difficult times um, and, and really try to get them to stay invested and to ignore their instincts, which is to do something about it. You know, I look at our, our clients uh, a lot of the, the ones that have done the best over the years are the people that kind of just bought and held, <laughs> held through really tough mm -hmm. times. You know, I'm thinking of a client that um, passed away. She was 105 years old mm. and, um, and she held stock in a, uh, a railroad company that I always joked she held since they laid the tracks, but yeah. she held it for a long time. <laughs> yeah. And I just think about all of the reasons she would have had to sell that stock during her life, wars, uh, terrorist attacks, pandemics, et cetera, just yep. all of these bad things that happened. But in the end, it, the right thing to do was just to hold on through all of that. And she did extremely well. And so that's basically our job is to keep people holding, holding on, suffering, uh, you know, be willing to bear the, uh, the downturns that inevitably come. Sure. And to not get caught up in the really good times either. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. All right. The fourth and final strategy, prepare for the next downturn today. And on the face of it, this, this seems like a ridiculous piece of advice. Like, why are we preparing for the next downturn if we're in one right now? Mm -hmm. The reason why I say it is, is this. I want people to bottle up what they're feeling today. So if they're feeling stressed, they're feeling anxious, or they're feeling fine because they've planned for this, I want them to bottle that up and to be able to use it for the next downturn. Because as long as we're alive and we're investing, there will be another downturn. And so there are things that we can do before the downturns to, to better prepare. So let's walk through a, a few of those here. The first one, have sufficient cash reserves. Mm -hmm. Kyle, what are we hearing in good times? Cash is trash, right? That's right. It doesn't feel like trash today, does it? So how much cash should people have? Yeah, it, it kind of depends on the individual circumstance. Depends on your age. Depends on spending. Mm -hmm. You know, what we like to tell people is you don't want to have any money invested in stocks that you might need, sure. you know, in the, in the short term. And so, you know, as long as people have, have you know, good jobs, both spouses are working, et cetera, you know, maybe three to six months, depending on your comfort level. Um, maybe you want to have a year's worth of cash if you're worried about maybe losing your your job potentially. Sure. Um, but it kind of just depends on individual risk tolerance. Basically, 
you want to have enough cash around so that you don't have to sell your investments. Sure. Yeah. I talked earlier about the importance of just holding on through difficult times. Yep. And so having enough cash around so you can sleep well, uh, so that you don't have to sell your stocks mm-hmm. is is the key. And it depends on individual circumstances, but generally three three months to a year. Sure. And I think as we talk to clients that are getting closer to retirement, mm-hmm. we're pushing that number up as well, right. too. So it's not uncommon for people who are pre-retirees who are about ready to take that next big step. Maybe they've got one, two years of cash on hand or in really safe investments that if a downturn happens, they can pull from that stuff and they're not taking from stocks when they're really down. Exactly. That's yep. right. They can ride out a downturn. Yep. All right. The uh, second uh, way to prepare for the next market downturn is to automate your investments. Mm-hmm. Kyle, what does that mean? Automating your investments just means having some mechanism in place so you're always investing cash. Okay. Uh, for a lot of people, that looks like a paycheck deduction into your 401k that automatically gets invested every other week. Um, if you have cash other than that to invest, it just means not having to act to go remember to you know deposit money into your investment account to invest. So what we see a lot of our clients do is they have us automatically grab money from their checking account every month, every other month to their investment account that we then invest. And the reason we do that is that you don't have to remember to do it. Mm-hmm. You know, we're, we get busy, yeah. you know, life happens and we f- we forget, or maybe now it doesn't feel like a good time to, and maybe I'll just wait a little bit, mm-hmm. ride out this market a little bit. And, and that's just not a good system. Sure. You know, so what we find the best thing to do, especially for younger people, is to have things automated so that you don't have to worry about it. You don't have to remember to do it. Set it and forget it. Set it and forget it. That's yeah. Right. And we're all emotional creatures too. And we right. want to feel like we're doing the right thing at the right, the exact right time. Right. You know, something you and I have talked about too is like, well, when is the right time to get in the market? Mm-hmm. Well, if you're young, the right time was yesterday. Mm-hmm. And it's set it up, let it go, and just forget about it. All right. The third thing that we can do to prepare for the next downturn, have more financial cushion. Kyle, this is something you and I talk about all the time. We always call it margin. What does it mean to have a little bit more financial cushion? Yeah, this this is one of those things that's simple but not easy. But the answer is uh, spend less than you make. Yeah. And I know that's really, really hard for a lot of folks to do. Yep. And uh, But the only way to get ahead in life financially is to save money. And what I advise for people just starting out in their careers in 20s and 30s is to, you know, just like you, you should know your weight, you should know what your savings rate is. Yep. And eyes are going to glaze over when I talk about this, but savings rate just means how much of your pay, either before tax or after tax, are you saving? Sure. And that number will vary depending on salary and if you have student loans and mortgage, but you should really try to be saving at least 10%. Mm-hmm. Uh, of your of your salary every year. And the reason you do that is to build a little cushion in your life like you talk about. You know, you want to have a little bit of slack. You don't want to have every dollar accounted for in terms of, you know, debt payments or spending, anything like that. Yep. Because if, if tough times do come along, you'll have uh, that cash saved up that we talked about earlier, the, the emergency fund. Sure. Um, but it also gives you options in life. You know, if you have a, a savings rate that approaches 50%, you might find your, yourself in a position when you're in your 40s, 50s, you might not have to work anymore. Sure. You know, and and so it's, I, I think just having that peace of mind, uh, you know, when you get to that point is, is worth a lot. Yeah. All right, Kyle, that's it. Those are our four strategies to uh, deal with the market downturn. You know, market downturns, nobody wants them. No one wishes for them. But that doesn't mean we have to be helpless, right? Right. So thanks so much for joining me. Appreciate you. 
finally coming on the show. It was good to have you on. Yeah, it was a lot of fun. Thanks. All right. And if there's anything that we can do, obviously, I know you share this as well. If there's anything we can do for our listeners to help them during this time, no matter where they're at in their financial journey, I encourage them to reach out and talk to us. I hope you found this helpful. If you did, please subscribe and share with your family or friends. If you have a topic you want us to cover in future episodes, send us a note through our website. And if you're at the point where you want an expert opinion on your finances, reach out and we'd be happy to start a conversation. And remember, any comments, insights, or strategies discussed on this podcast are intended to be general in nature and therefore may not be suitable for you and your situation, whatever that may be. Before acting on anything we discuss, please consult with your attorney, CPA, and or your financial advisor.